0: Welcome to the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School with Michael Benner. Hello and welcome to the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. I'm your host, Michael Benner. Happy to be with you today. Special program for you in this episode featuring a podcast from the website spiritmatterstalk.com hosted by Philip Goldberg and Dennis Ramondi. It's a podcast I enjoy listening to and follow regularly, and recently I had the good fortune of being a guest, and so we're going to replay the interview of me by Phil and Dennis in the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. Thanks for tuning in, and here we go.
1: This is Dennis Ramundi. I'm here with my co-host Phil Goldberg, our podcast. Spirit Matters, found at spiritmatterstalk.com. Our guest today, Michael Benner. He is the author of Fearless Intelligence, The Extraordinary Wisdom of Awareness. He's also written The Breakthrough Self Awareness Training, Internal Vigilance. He has quite an extensive background in self help, in uh, personal management, I guess I would call it, stress reduction, and also spirituality. And uh, so uh, we're excited to speak with him today. And, Michael, thank you so very much for taking the time to come on with us.
0: Oh, well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here, truly.
2: And a uh, pleasure for me, uh, Michael, to turn the tables on you, because uh, you had me on your radio show, and you had uh, the show in uh, in L.A. And uh, so here we are, me interviewing you.
0: Yeah, what, don't they call that a bus man's holiday?
2: <laughs> so, um, Fill the audience in a bit, uh, if you can, briefly with your own uh, spiritual background and uh, how you came to the work you do.
0: Well, the way I've described it in the past, and I think it's probably the best way to answer your question, is that uh, I'm a baby boomer. And I remember the first television that my parents ever bought in the early 50s. And I loved watching the news. I was a newspaper boy as well. And uh, news fascinated me. All kinds of news, mostly, of course, because of the nature of news. It was negative information about war and and, uh, poverty and injustice and uh, I think I shared that with a lot of members of my generation, and interest in why people think the way they think, why they feel and behave the way they do. And then in college, I became increasingly interested in that, majored in journalism and broadcasting, and thought if I read the news and wrote the news that uh, I would have some insight. Into human behavior and consciousness. I also remember at about age, uh, uh, I would say age 12 or so, uh, seeing a hypnotist on the old Art Link Letters House Party television. <laughs> I program. remember that show. yeah. We really are aging <laughs> dating, ourselves. Yeah. We, we are indeed dating ourselves. <laughs> and yet there was something fascinating about that and I bought a book with a coupon from the back of a Superman comic book about hypnosis. And that, by college, led to an interest in meditation. And a few years into my radio career, I became frustrated, realized this was not giving me the information about the nature of people that I wanted. So I just got into the human potential movement and pop psych. And one thing led to another, and by the mid-'80s, I was lecturing, um, teaching meditation, doing workshops, and uh, combined, it's all about altered states to me. I I think meditation and hypnosis and self-hypnosis are much more allied than many people believe. Uh, Hypnotists don't know much about meditation. Most meditators don't know much hypnosis, and that fascinated me. So that's probably the best way to answer your question.
1: Right. M- Michael, I, I, yeah, question pops up: <laughs> How would you uh, distinguish meditation uh, versus uh, hypnosis?
0: I think meditation is more receptive and hypnosis is more causative. Uh, Other than that, they share a brainwave state called alpha. Uh, Sometimes as meditators, or even as one who practices self-hypnosis or who induces hypnosis, we can go deeper into a trance-like state called theta, and often that's accompanied by stronger visual imagery. In fact, I used guided imagery and visualization quite a bit in my work over the years. But um, then the benefits of simple vipassana uh, began to accrue in my own life. And so I shifted from an interest in a lot of work with guided imagery into simply watching my breath and creating that elevated perspective that detachment offers when you begin to realize you're not the breather, you're the awareness of your breathing. And that led me to realize I'm not the thinker. <laughs> and I can attain a, uh, uh, an overall perspective, a kind of an elevated perspective on my mind and its own agenda when it comes to thoughts and feelings.
2: Now, this is interesting. I did not expect to be going in this direction, but you mentioned the word hypnosis, and um, that has a lot of different meanings. There's a sort of, you know, showbiz hypnotist that people are familiar with, and there's legitimate um, uh, therapeutic applications of uh, in hypnotherapy. And, and then you likened it to guided imagery, which, you know... Uh, and visualization, which has a lot of applications, not only uh, in modern sort of uh, trainings in psychology and uh, management and sports, but ancient techniques. uh, Tibetan Buddhists have, you know, powerful visualization practices. How do you use that? You know, what kind of uh, forms of these kind of mental activities do you use in your work? And I would think that they'd be complementary to a, a meditation practice like Vipassana or some
0: of the other. Yeah, it's all to me about letting go of physical tension. And the physical tension is an allegory for holding on, uh, clutching, grabbing. Uh, Our thoughts and feelings and because we appear to be separate beings there's a lot of holding on and so I find that uh, well certainly I'm not the first to discover but with a lot of reading and and, uh, uh, a lot of seminars and working with other people I found that as I breathe and release physical tension I'm also able to detach from the intrusive thoughts that demand our attention when we're not task oriented and better able to observe my emotional feelings as well. So I've never done stage hypnosis in my life. I have no interest in it. I understand that it really comes from sort of a shamanic tradition. Mm -hmm. A little bit of sleight of hand is a great way to create a receptive mind state if you're going to plant suggestions and speak to the unconscious mind. And uh, so I think this has been understood all the way back to the earliest times. There's accounts of it in hermetic philosophy in old Egypt, as well as uh, the, the ancient Vedas and such in old Hindustan. And so that's been my application of it. I, I took silver mind control when I was oh, just yeah. out of college in the early 70s. And <clears throat> that's basically visualization and self-hypnosis.
1: Mm-hmm. But Michael, uh, when did you uh, make the move to radio and, uh, and then on to podcasting? And what was your goal at that time, was it to um, uh, would send a message, or was it for entertainment? What brought you there? Well, I
0: majored in radio. I worked my way through college as a radio guy. Uh, I had done campus radio, really enjoyed that, uh, did not like my business major, didn't know what I was going to do, uh, the counterculture. I was in college in 66 through 70. So that's I, I was
1: there sixty seven uh, to seventy one. So yeah, it's a, same period. I remember it well. Actually yeah, I don't so, remember it so, of it so well. But go ahead. Uh,
0: so. Well, that was the birth of the uh counterculture oh, yeah. and uh I, last thing I wanted to do was put on a suit and wear wingtips and and uh you know, go to work for General Motors or something. So I I, I was looking for a different kind of a lifestyle. And uh, radio allowed for that, and I was good at it. I I loved it, I really enjoyed it. I never could talk fast enough to be a top 40 DJ, so I figured the news would be a good idea. (laughs) Uh And as I said, since childhood, I've always been interested in human behavior. And the truth, the, the definition, my understanding of philosophy is it's a search for truth. And when I didn't find that in journalism, I moved increasingly into pop psych and philosophy. And uh, I read books like Science of Mind by Ernest Holmes, and, and I stumbled into the theosophical teachings. Uh, I studied Alice Bailey's work for several years in a classroom setting, and it just all became part of the same thing to me, and still is, my fascination in who we are and what we're for.
2: And you had that radio program in L.A. uh, that uh, I was on a couple of times. Um, What was it called again?
0: Well, I did a program on KPFK for 14 or 15 years called Inner Vision.
2: Inner Vision, that's it, yeah.
0: But the first time I met you, I believe, was the early 80s. And you had just written your intuition book.
2: The Intuitive Edge, that's right. You had me on for that. Yeah, so yeah, uh, in fact, good I, show. I, hope I have them archived somewhere.
0: I do, I have, <laughs> I have boxes of cassette tapes. Yes, I hope,
2: so. uh, <laughs> I hope you get them converted and put them online. Dennis, go ahead. You have a uh, more question.
1: Yeah, uh, right now you have the podcast. Tell, tell us about the podcast you have, and also what type of other activities you run, workshops. You know, If people wanted to find out more about what you're doing and how you do it and how they can participate, what would you recommend? But tell us first a little bit about your podcast. Well, I left
0: radio in 2007 to move to Hawaii and podcasts were just beginning in, oh, I think the first podcast convention I went to was 2005 and I saw the promise in it. Mm -hmm. And I thought, gosh, I can podcast to the world rather than be limited to a metro area by radio. And I can also do meditation and guided imagery exercises, which I could never obviously do on the radio. So I began to podcast from Maui in late 2007. And the podcast is called the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School, uh, honoring the wisdom traditions of literally all religions and philosophies. Theistic and non-theistic traditions have their wisdom traditions. And I like the name. Uh, It's used by a lot of people and... I mean it in the most generic way. I did not invent the idea of the ageless wisdom. I think of myself as a as a teacher, not any kind of guru. And so the podcast is me basically riffing. Rarely ever do I do guests. And I'm very protective about my show. And I, I teach, basically. I've, I've done it in a variety of iterations. For a time, I was doing webinars and taking phone calls. Sometimes the programs are 20 or 30 minutes. I've done programs that run an hour and a half. Right now, we have about, I think, 410 or 12 programs online. And boy, they run the gamut of all aspects of mysticism and metaphysics and mindfulness and... Uh, Uh, emphasizing a lot of practical tools. I think that's what people want, is not just the background, the theory, the instruction, but how can I practice this in my life? Give me a tool. Give me something, an exercise I can do. And uh, I think that pretty much sums up my intention with the podcast.
2: Very good. And while we're at the uh, many activities you're involved in, tell us about your book, Fearless Intelligence.
0: Thanks. That really came out of the training I wrote, internal vigilance for uh, the Orange County Sheriff's Academy. Mm. And I had a client who at the time was a student in the Sheriff's Academy. And uh, he put these principles into practice as a uh, as he became a sheriff, and he eventually ended up being a lieutenant in the department and running their training operation. about twenty years down the road, so he called me one day, right after I'd returned from Maui. We were there for five years. My wife missed her kids and her grandkids, so by another marriage, so we came back to the mainland. And he said, "How'd you like to teach at the sheriff's academy?" And I was blown away at the opportunity. I said, "Are you serious? You want?" I, I always thought of myself as a kind of a hippie, you know, or a, a beatnik. You want me to stand stand up in front of these cops and teach them self awareness? And he said, "Yeah, that's exactly what I want you to do." It, of course. Any good teacher or therapist wants to meet people where they are. So we incorporated their language and since they're familiar with situational awareness, I just expanded that to the idea of being internally aware uh, to monitor their stress levels, their, their anger, their frustration. Uh, they're all walking PTSD cases, mm. as are many other Americans, I think. We don't appreciate how severe stress has gotten in our society, especially in the last few years. And uh, so I wrote and for just over three years uh, taught this training at the Academy in Anaheim. And out of that, I thought, well, I could expand this into a book that would contain a lot more information than a law enforcement academy would need in a one-day training. I could go a lot deeper and uh, talk about philosophy, but also science, neuroscience, and what we're learning about brain plasticity and such. And and so that gave rise to the book Fearless Intelligence.
1: Michael, I'm curious, in your own day-to-day life, Do you engage in a spiritual practice or practices? Uh, And if so, what would that be?
0: Yes, I think uh, for me, I try to be mindful of what I'm doing at all times. And so I would say, as a person who used to be very technique-oriented as a young man, and I would do self-hypnosis exercises when I needed to. For example, uh, if I wanted to remember something, I had a technique called remembering to remember where I would uh, project myself into the future and uh, to use an NLP term, I would anchor myself into a certain situation and see myself remembering to go to the post office on the way home from work, for example. And I found that those things really benefited me. but. Uh, As time went on, as I matured, uh, these tools and techniques became a lifestyle and so for me mindfulness is something that I practice in meditation along with a variety of other self-hypnosis tools to just the way I attempt to live my life uh, in everything that I do pretty slow and deliberate, (laughs) and uh, I've tried to find a balance between controlling my impulses and being assertive and just monitoring the way Michael Benner lives his life from a somewhat elevated, and by that I don't mean superior, you know, I mean like floating above. And uh, in fact, that's the first technique that I taught in the police academy was a detached view of the situation and to sort of freeze it or slow it down, expand the gaps between your thoughts and so living, breathing, that's my practice. <laughs>
2: your uh, technique of remembering to remember uh, is something we can all use. It reminds me of uh a long in a Leonard Cohen song that says, I can't forget, but I can't remember what. Yes. <laughs> um, anyway, in, in in your use of the term awareness, uh, and which is uh, a major part of the book, Fearless Intelligence, you subtitle it The Extraordinary Wisdom of Awareness. I wonder if you could link for the listeners... Um, the, the kind of awareness of uh in in the moment of awareness of what is going on through your senses and and perception and so forth um, and the uh, higher meaning of awareness in um, what you would call the the uh the ageless wisdom of all the mystical traditions of uh, uh, the, the pure state of consciousness awareness without content. Um, Do you you make a link between those two things? Is is that part of the practical application?
0: Yes, but it's very fundamental. I think, as I understand awareness, the word should be capitalized. Mm -hmm. It's the absolute, which is a way philosophers will often refer to divinity in an attempt to avoid personifying it as a man on the cloud. And I also distinguish it, uh, as I've been taught, uh, from consciousness. Those words are often used interchangeably. But my teachers seem to agree that in spite of uh, the fact that they're often viewed as synonyms, that Consciousness is relative where awareness is absolute. Uh, Awareness is sometimes referred to as effulgence, which is a shining brightness that stands behind all things and indeed is the ultimate reality and fundamental to our existence in form. Consciousness is the mind's attention on something we're conscious of this or we're conscious of that and there's conscious consciousness like i was prepared to talk to you today to do this podcast and looking forward to it then there's unconscious consciousness for example being asleep but if uh, the alarm goes off you hear it you thought you were unconscious till the alarm went off so on some level you were still conscious but i think of awareness as standing above all of that and even if something did not exist if there was no existence or no self uh, there would still be awareness that's my understanding but of course the word can be used in a relative sense. Uh, Gee, I wasn't aware you were standing there. when don't you come into the room? So the words are interchangeable. Understanding is probably a good synonym for it, and that's a relative concept. How well do you understand it? How uh, How awake am I? How aware am I?
2: Well, um, I, I a, a, <laughs> it gets very complicated, <laughs> doesn't it? Because I've heard uh, awareness and consciousness used in exactly the reverse of the way you, you right. did. So. Let,
1: let, let me ask a question then. Awareness standing above <laughs> it all. Then, uh, and it's something Phil and I have discussed with many guests. Uh, do, do you think awareness then is uh, dependent upon a brain, upon a human physiology, or is it uh, independent of a brain and filters through a brain, or uh, and whether that brain is functioning or not, that awareness will is uh, is uh, self-contained. It's not dependent upon uh, a a human being or any other creature. Yeah,
0: the latter. I do not believe, as most empiricists do, that consciousness or awareness uh, is a, a manifestation of brain chemistry. I believe that awareness is the ultimate reality and uh, fundamental to existence, and that um, it's awareness and or consciousness, if you wish, that brings energy into form. Um, You know, we know basic spiritual principles that all matter is impermanent, and yet we're told even in physics as well as metaphysics that energy can either be created or destroyed. In Einstein's great equation that has an equal sign between energy and mass or between spirit and matter, mm-hmm. energy is capitalized and comes first in the equation energy equals mass. And quantum physicists for a 100 years now have been telling us that Same thing the mystics have always said, all matter, all mass, all physical dense stuff is basically an illusion that you get down to the fundamental subatomic level and we look at the double slit experiment, which is a classic experiment demonstrating that if you observe these manifestations of energy, they act like matter. When you shoot electrons through two slits, for example. But when you turn away, it's energy. It's fundamentally everything is just energy. Well, consciousness, in the same way, is energy. It can't be created or destroyed. And uh, the mind plays a role, obviously, in directing that awareness into consciousness. Uh, And I don't quibble with people that. Use the terms interchangeably, or uh, reverse the two, even as you suggested, Phil. Uh, to me, I'm not a stickler for the one right <laughs> way, you know. But uh, there was a great teacher, Nisar Gadada, who mm-hmm. uh, was the first person who made it clear to me. And this man speaks or spoke with such clarity. Uh, he, my whole body just resonates <laughs> when we read uh, or listen to. There are actually audio recordings. I guess, like many great teachers, he never wrote anything down. We just have transcribed uh, lectures or speaking yeah. Q&As.
2: And for the but, sake of our audience, we should let them know that uh, Nisargadatta uh, is best known uh, in the, all the years since he passed uh, for the collection of his uh, discourses called I Am That. And they should, right. we highly recommend uh, getting that book.
1: Michael, uh, thank you so very much for your time. Any f- final words you'd like to share with us or fill any final questions that you have for Michael? Oh, I have a lot,
2: but we, we're out of time so I would invite Michael to uh, have the last word.
0: Oh, well, my goodness, um, <laughs> I'm not sure exactly what to say, except that this material that we're talking about is, I don't want to say I'm obsessed, because that's holding on again, but it, it, it's its what I care most about. It is endless, the idea of uh, understanding the unfolding nature of awareness, I think, uh, Socrates has been very enlightening on the idea of knowing what you do not know. That's a, a core tenet in wisdom traditions is to be aware of what we do not know. And to see that as an, an ocean, really, that's unbounded in its depth and its breadth, and that it all begins with understanding ourselves, not judging other people. And self-awareness allows us to empathize with other people and leads to compassion, which is awareness of our unawareness in self and then in others. And so awareness, compassion... Love with a capital letter in front of it. Love is not just a feeling. And I think that can be an enormous breakthrough for people who are seeking spiritual truth. To see love generates a whole range of emotions from agony to ecstasy and back again. So love is not an emotion, it is a reference to awareness and understanding and recognizing there's just one of us here, separation's an illusion. Uh, Just as we have five fingers, we have two hands, we have one body, uh, even that's an appearance of separation. Mm -hmm. So the universe, it means one thing, turning around, universe. And this universe is just this vast ocean of, of energy manifesting in form that we might grow and evolve, learn and understand to redeem ignorance with understanding is to redeem evil with love.
1: Very uh, good but, way to uh, conclude. Uh, right. And for our listeners, the website to go to is the agelesswisdom.com. We'll have all <laughs> of that posted up and uh, all the information about uh, Michael, his podcast, his book, all, everything can be found there. Uh, Thank you so very much, Michael, and I, I hope you can come back on the show sometime in the future. Oh, I would love to do that. Thanks, guys. Have a wonderful day. You too.
2: Take care, Mike.